This is Supply Chain Radio. This is Suhas and Leela here to talk about retail in 2016. How's it going, Leela? Hey, Suhas. It's going really well. How about you? I'm doing well. What's going on in retail this year? You know, actually, I just got back from the Rila 2016 conference in Dallas. Boy, what a show. So between that and some of the news articles that have come out lately, it's already shaping up to be quite a year. So what is Rila all about? Rila stands for Retail Industry Leaders Association. They're a huge retail forum where leaders within retail can speak about things that are going on, whether it's topics, pain points, and other things that are going on within their companies and organizations. Specifically, the one that took place in Dallas really focused on supply chain, which is definitely growing in the minds of retailers and a big focus for 2016. So what were some of the key topics that they discussed? So, you know, actually, Brian Cornell, the CEO from Target, I feel like just did a killer job kicking off the entire session. And he kind of focused on out-of-stock inventory. He was talking about how one of Target's big initiatives is to get love to their brand again. So he really wanted to go to different cities and find out how consumers felt about their brand. And interestingly, he put up the best slide, starting with the customer's journey from, I really love the brand and I have an emotional connection to, I'm really disappointed when I can't find the things I need in stock. Or I've ordered something online with the expectation to pick it up in store and it isn't ready for me. So the overall message there was, while we love Target, dot, 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 sometimes we're disappointed by out of stocks. And that was another thing that was actually followed up by Nestle Purina. They spent a lot of time doing a study and understanding the emotional impact that customers felt when they had to deal with an out of stock situation. And Nestle did a really good job of looking at it both from the retail side as well as the manufacturing side. From the retail side, obviously, you don't want to lose the customer's business, which the best way to do that is to have out-of-stock inventory. But also from the viewpoint of the manufacturer, it's so easy to buy a competitive brand that is stocked within the shelf. Nestle pointed out that this actually goes much deeper than just the fact that you have a piece of merchandise on any given day. It's actually an emotional connection that consumers have with their own favorite methods of shopping, whether it's in-store or online. And the customer comes to develop a social contract with the retailer store or brand. And they're just physically disappointed when they're not able to find the products they want available. And when that happens, they lose that sense of trust and they lose that sense of loyalty. And that's something that brands are really struggling with. So it's very important for brands to have inventory in stock. How are they dealing with trying to manage their inventory levels? So the companies that are really doing a good job of it are making the investments into inventory and Omnichannel, and they're doing that through Technology Solutions Platform. Coming to mind, I remember reading an article in the Wall Street Journal just a couple weeks ago about how Nordstrom's is willing to take a decline in their profits right now because they are building capabilities to really serve the Omnichannel customer. So that's basically the solution to dealing with out-of-stocks and really getting visibility into your full supply chain. So one of the interesting things about technology platforms I'm seeing is that a lot of companies just spend a lot of their money maintaining the platforms that they already invested in, and that kind of ties them up in terms of expanding and growing. Were there any examples at Rela where companies were able to successfully add on new platforms? Yeah, definitely. So I think the one that was just really stood out in my mind was Stephen Horak, the global supply chain leader for Lucky Brands and what they did in terms of turning around their supply chain with amazing solutions. They have a really interesting story. Have you heard of the Lucky Brands history? 
No, I haven't. So Lucky Brands was actually a subsidiary from Fifth and Pacific, formerly known as the Liz Claiborne Companies. And towards the end of 2013, beginning of 2014, Lucky Brands was actually sold for about $225 million to a private equity firm. And what happened with that was they were then responsible for all of their own back-end services and back-end infrastructure. So as you can imagine, in order to completely revamp everything and create back-end infrastructure to support both their wholesale, retail, and online business was quite an undertaking. Horak shared a great story with us about how retailers typically build in one new platform per year when they're trying to upgrade or get new solutions. But Lucky Brands had to do five platform solutions in just one year. I mean, can you imagine? And they did it successfully by really getting good insights into what was going on within their own business and using really good analytics to make good decisions. One of their strategies was to actually cut supply chain costs by 20 cents on the dollar. And they were actually able to do this with the analytics that they were given. Here's an example. So they had a number of warehouses that they were able to reduce because they had certain warehouses that were used to ship to retail stores and other warehouses that were used to ship to wholesale stores. And they were able to get that insight by really looking at the analytics and seeing they ship to wholesale on the second week of every month and they ship to their retail stores on the fourth week of every month. And based on that cyclicality, they could actually use share warehouses between their wholesale and their retail. And so they can actually reduce the number of warehouses they were holding, which of course just released a lot of costs that they had within their own infrastructure. So that's just one of several examples where they could do a really great job of cutting down their supply chain costs by using some analytics. So whenever you mention technology and retail together, I kind of feel like the topic of Amazon is always there. Was there anything interesting that you've been hearing about Amazon? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things that Amazon's doing that's really stirring the pot. So one is the fact and figure that $35 billion is being spent between Amazon, Facebook, Google, and all of these other technology companies around AI and robotics. In fact, Google's bought eight robotics companies within the past year and a half, and Amazon's contributed $15 billion of that $35 billion into robotics exploration. So when you look at someone like Amazon, who's using robotics and artificial intelligence, and then you look at someone like Google, who's already created a self-driving car, it's not going to take long for that to translate into trucks, warehousing, and all sorts of other delivery mechanisms. So that's one way that Amazon's really shaking things up. The other thing is the question of can Amazon be slowed down? I mean, they're forecasting 40% CAGR over the next five years, and they're doing really revolutionary things. Jeff Bezos' entire style of leading is so revolutionary and different. I mean, he's all about the Amazon lab. And how he goes about doing that is he'll have three different teams in place in order to do something, whether it's 3D knitting in the store or whatever other technology idea he's come up with. And he just assumes one of those three teams in the lab is going to get there. So I think the constant innovation that's coming out of Amazon tends to threaten other retailers. And they're trying to think of how they can stick to their own core competencies in order to get ahead. And then finally, the fact that, you know, there are a lot of categories that Amazon still has yet to grow. I don't know if you guys have seen lately, but they've launched seven private label brands within the fashion industry really quietly. There wasn't a big PR release about it. So it's almost like there's a quiet before the storm and a fashion apparent retailers are keeping notes about that. So obviously, there's a lot of room left for Amazon still to play. And then, of course, they have this distinct competitive advantage of not only do they have their own products, but they have a platform that hosts a plethora of other products from other retailers, and they are the recipients of all of the data. And that information, I mean, is so crucial and vital to their own growth, whether it's customer and purchasing knowledge or whether it's just being able to produce at cheaper costs. 
I think the only question about Amazon that's always on people's mind is, can they possibly be stopped? And Paula Rosenblum from RSR Research actually replied that no markets are infinite. And despite the fact that she herself admits to being a prime junkie, when she really looked at a lot of the products that were on the website, they are at a premium of 20% or more. And she simply believes that customers can't keep returning to products that are priced that much higher than competitive websites. So it'll be interesting to see what Amazon does moving forward. So any other interesting retail tidbits that we should know about? Actually, in the news recently, Burberry and Tommy Hilfiger both said that they were offering clothes right off the runway. And apparently this is becoming a big trend. And here's why. Usually when you have fashion week, there's going to be an assortment of clothes that are walking down the runway. And of those 20 SKUs, let's say, you'll have a retail store that'll take on five of those SKUs. But what customers want is access to the entire runway. And so you're seeing a lot more investment into those designers in order to have access to everything rather than to get limited assortments from retailers. So one thing we're looking at is direct purchasing from fashion week. The other thing that I thought was particularly interesting was the focus around the fitting room. One of the interesting data points that came out of Rila was the fact that there's a conversion rate of 65% of someone who enters the fitting room. I mean, 65%. And if you think about the attendants who are there, they're usually there after the person's left the fitting room in order to put away clothes. Now, if you can imagine attendants being there at the service of the customer, helping them pick out a different size, helping them pick out a different color, offering feedback, your sales could really skyrocket. And they're talking about technology in order to really help with that fitting room accessibility and getting a sales attendant there. So I think having apps that'll enable you to have a personal attendant while in the fitting room will really take that 65% conversion rate and create triple digit growth there. Sounds like a lot of technology disruptions happening in the retail space this year. Lots to look forward to. You're right, Suhas. And even amidst all the technology disruption, what will be really interesting to see is whether retailers will be able to fulfill against all of that technology. So let's keep our eye out in 2016. Sounds good. Thanks, Leela. This has been Supply Chain Radio. 